Hey, I'm your host, Cyrus Slayman, and welcome to another episode of PM Hub Podcast Series, where we feature product leaders across the tech industry in the Canadian space. In this episode, I'll be talking about emotional intelligence, or EQ, and its importance in product management. Initially introduced by Daniel Goldman, EQ is crucial to be an effective product manager. High levels of EQ can help you boost influencing, teamwork and collaboration, leadership, organizational awareness, and empathy. Now, such skills would lead to product success as they help with roadmap building, A-B testing, and reaching OKRs. However, they're often not given nearly enough attention. Now, to help us better understand this topic, I had a chat with Chris Hurst. Chris is a product manager who got lucky enough to escape the gravity of a career in advertising in 2012. He's always worked in professional services related to product management, so he has an interesting perspective vis-a-vis traditional product roles. Currently, Chris is a senior VP leader and managing a team of 20 plus product managers across a wide variety of projects in banking, retail, property, data visualization, and business intelligence at the firm Intersect. Chris lives and works in the city of Toronto. All right, Chris, welcome to PM Hub. Thank you, Cyrus. Happy to be here. Why don't we kick off this call and uh, Chris, and tell us a bit more about yourself and how you got into product management. Yeah, uh, it's a good question because like most product managers, I have no formal training and I am uh, largely unqualified to do this job. But uh, about in 2012, I was at an advertising agency leading the entry of Target uh, into Canada. Uh, This is not a great case study because Target eventually withdrew from Canada, but uh, at the time, Target had relied upon their advertising agency to build up their digital presence, including um, providing perspective on their e-commerce functionality. Um, I helped them build their public-facing site. I helped them get all of their social media advertising in place. I helped them do uh, a number of different things related to communications. But every time I went into a meeting with Target, um, to be frank, Cyrus, I got my ass kicked by stronger, smarter, more product-oriented digital firms. And at that point, I realized that I had two options, that I could stay in advertising and perhaps become a VP digital advertising and likely be a bit of a bullshit person, or I could retool my career down from my current status as account director and move into product management. This was in 2013. Um, and obviously being an ethical person, I opted to not be bullshit digital and joined a firm at the time that was called B notions, B notions, having been acquired by Symbility, uh, became intersect Symbility was acquired by CoreLogic and we became not Symbility intersect, but intersect. But that was my road into the profession of product management. Uh, simply the fear that has an advertising professional, um, there was not a strong enough technical capacity in advertising in order to become uh, as good at the job as I wanted to be. Right. Wow. That's very, that's very interesting. And I can, I can uh, see that uh, from the marketing side and that kind of product side, uh, there's definitely some uh, similarities, but I guess there are also differences in place that uh, you want to bridge those. Uh, but that's that's pretty cool. So how about you? How about right now? Tell us a bit about your team currently at Intersec and what's the size, what's the structure. 
Um, so Intersect is a company at this point that is um, post-pandemic. We are likely to be about 120 people. Uh, we are a professional services product development organization. We work a lot in banking and insurance, um, as well as some retail and semi-retail clients like airlines. We have worked, we've been working with WestJet most recently. Um, the team is about 120 people. Included in that 120 people is about 18 product managers, a number of engineers, a number of designers, strategists. BSAs, uh, solutions architects, technical product managers, basically everything you need to build a product. Uh, we just orient that particular um, product requirement in a way that allows us to treat it as you would with a service business. Uh, on the best days, Cyrus, uh, people call Intersect a consultancy, and on our worst days, people call Intersect an agency. Okay, it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's let's talk, let's move 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 on and talk talk about the topic at hand, Chris. Emotional intelligence. Uh, what does it mean to you, emotional intelligence, and how is it relevant to product management? I think emotional intelligence represents the yin vis-a-vis uh, -vis the yang on technical intelligence that is important within the the realm of product management. Emotional intelligence, truly, if you think about what product is, product is, is really this idea of how can I make the end user's life easier? How can I make um, somebody who is routinized into the idea of I want to buy X, therefore I go to the store um, and it costs me an hour of time into making that same process easy enough and simple enough that they would change the routine and become somebody who, who does things more online. I think this is a really important element of, of what product managers are trying to do as relates to emotional intelligence, because what draws me to the profession and, and what makes me want to do it vis-a-vis -vis my career in advertising is that I am not convincing you to shop within a brand or within a store or within an organization. I am just saying, you're going to shop here anyways. I would like to make that experience easier, faster, and simpler for you. Um, and, and, and that's what really makes the emotional intelligence element of product management really important to me because I, I think any good product manager, as strong as their technical skills are, as strong as their organizational project management, all these pieces, fundamentally, if you're not interested in making your end user's life easier or simpler or understanding that for the last 20 years, you know, the most compelling description of the end consumer you can provide is that they are time starved. Um, I don't think you're doing a, a really good job. Most consumers right now, uh, I can admit for myself, though, obviously I know anecdotally uh, sample pools of one are irrelevant. But I know that I don't have a ton of time day to day uh, to do, oh, I'm going to go to seven stores to complete my shopping this week. Uh, uh, Amazon really solves that problem for me by being in everything store. And in so doing, they are emotionally relevant because I can think about them in a way that says whether I want office supplies or a wireless charging pack or 
whatever else it might be, I know that I can get that on Amazon and I do not have to go to a store to do it. And so that's where I think emotional intelligence comes in because, uh, you know, if I reference my advertising marketing path, I know that, you know, what consumers want the most is to be understood and to be presented with solutions. Right. And that, that totally makes sense. Uh, and I love how you made that relation between, you know, the, the traditional store and also an Amazon example and what it provides to you. Now, you know, given how important it is, uh, emotional intelligence, why do you think it's, it's really uh, often an afterthought for most of product managers today out there? It's an interesting, it's a really interesting question, Cyrus. And <laughs> at risk of alienating your audience, here's what I think has happened. I think businesses are in the midst of understanding that digital transformation is something that most businesses are not doing really well at this point. And because of that, uh, I think that individuals within organizations, CPGs, retailers, whatever they are, are trying to assimilate a product mentality that allows them to be successful within this field. Now, if you think about most organizations that exist today, i.e. I'm a category manager at Loblaw or I'm a uh, brand manager at Cadbury or I'm a whatever I am, what I'm not lacking in is uh, specific vertical expertise as relates to the sale of my product within X number of categories, spaces, et cetera. What I am missing is that I do not know how to talk to engineers. I do not know how to communicate what I want um, from a user experience into a technical group audience that fundamentally doesn't always have like a, a ton of respect for, for business individuals. And I think that's actually something that Intersect does um, uniquely well. Uh, we are very much committed to the idea that the uh, business professional is a subject matter expert on their business. We are here to provide user experience, design expertise, technical development expertise, uh, all of these different pieces. But if I track back to your question, Cyrus, what, what I think is why we're missing this emotional intelligence area in product management is simply this. Um, if you're a channel manager or a brand manager or a category manager or whatever you are within a business, the implication is really this, is that you um, are holding a really valuable piece of information in your head or a really valuable skill set. Um, and you are attempting to hire a technical product manager because what you're trying to cover for is that your lack of technical information. And I would put the challenge to those individuals at this point to say, you are not less technical than you need to be. Certainly, are there some gaps? Yes. You should understand the difference between what happens on your back end and what happens on your front end, what you buy as a SaaS product, what you want to build on your own, what you want to do uh, as it relates to the overall architecture, short-term, long-term decisions. All of these pieces are really relevant. But the marketer, the individual who has that channel expertise, customer expertise, whatever they are, they already know a ton of what needs to be done uh, as to how you would build a digital experience for your end consumer. What you need to really worry about is, is having an open and honest conversation with your engineering department about what your goal is. And then, uh, this is a broad lesson from my experience, but it is okay to be dumb. It is okay to say, 
I don't know what you're talking about. Break it down for me. I don't know what you're, what you mean. Can you make it simpler? Can you give me a metaphor or an analogy or something? And then make having those longer, harder conversations at the outset really allows the benefit of emotional intelligence to blossom because engineers are people, right? They, they, they get what's going on. They, they know what you want. What they want is the flexibility to say, uh, it would be easier to do this than to do that. Uh, we only have six weeks to launch. How are we going to deal with that? And that in itself is also an emotional intelligence question because engineers, even though they're not business leaders, uh, fundamentally should be treated as business partners in 2020 because they are the ones that understand how we build, how we do these things, how we build for today, for tomorrow, for the future. All these different pieces are really, really critical. So um, I know that's been meandering, Cyrus. It's going to be the, the nature of my answers going forward, but I hope that's, that's totally I fine. That I love that. Absolutely. No, I love that. This is a, this provides me a, a good context for, for the talk itself. And now we understood the, you know, how important it is to relate, especially with the technical side of your team, with the engineers and to involve them, you know, uh, in every stage of your decision-making. And that's absolutely uh, a valuable piece. And where, where to start, let's say if, uh, if you're a PM and you want to uh, go about, uh, improving your skill set when it comes to emotional intelligence where to start i think where you start when you when you think about emotional intelligence as a really valuable skill is is really just fundamentally putting your ego away um i think if you want to step up into a product manager or a product leader who is really uh definitive and valuable within the organization you have to simultaneously acknowledge that you have a really great skill set, that you know how to build products, that you know how to, you know all the latest philosophy and thoughts on, on, on the way we do things. But also you say it's 2020. There are people in the organization who are late stage baby boomers or early stage Gen X guys that are um, moving into positions of leadership. And you know, their lack of understanding as relates to technology is not a it's not a crippling negative for them. They are incredibly smart and they have built their reputations and they're earned their leadership as much as anybody has. I think our responsibility as product people of significant emotional intelligence is to actually interpret them. It's to understand what they are about, how they are thinking and getting them to where they want. And I think the most relevant thing you can talk about in that particular thing is how do you move them from talking about a solution into talking about a problem? Um, when people, particularly when business executives talk about a problem, what they're often saying is, I want to build the Uber of this, or I want to build the Airbnb of that, or they are analogizing what they see in the world and trying to build that for themselves. What they are actually saying is, I want uh, a automated delivery option. I want uh, demand management. I want uh, increased basket size based on ease of adding to cart. Um, and we, as product professionals, need to be listening to them. And, and, and you know, Cyrus, that, that is, without giving it away, that's where I'm going with this conversation, is that product management has relates to emotional intelligence. It's about understanding 
everybody within your orbit. It's about understanding your business stakeholder. It's about understanding your consumer. It's about understanding um, all of the individuals who have vested interests within your product and making sure that they are heard because fundamentally what a great product manager is, uh, particularly one who has great emotional intelligence, is a consolidator. Um, they are a person who can identify valuable opinions and non-valuable opinions and draw a roadmap together that says, this is where we're going. This is what I'm going to tell the engineering team to do. This is how we're going to think about it. Here, here's where we're going to get in three months. Um, and we will revisit this, this decision every six weeks until we get there. I love that. I love how you put it like in a consolidator uh, kind of context. And you also mentioned about uh, putting your ego aside as the first step to go, but that's great. So how would you uh, suggest, how, how do we go about now actually that we know how to start? How do we go about actually practicing and improving our emotional intelligence skills? I think the thing you really need to do is just as smart as you are and as accomplished as you are, you are dumb. Uh, you know, there there is a ton of sociology, there is a ton of psychology that says confirmation bias, um, you know, positive thinking bias. There just are so many factors in our lives that tell us that what we think about or how we shape our own psychology is often not truly aligned to reality. And so what I am most often thinking about as it relates to product management is this idea that um, it's very easy for me, uh, but that I am the dumbest person in the room and that what I am trying to do is align clarity for all stakeholders. Um, I think that is among the most important things that product managers can accept because if you look at where 2020 is and, and where millennials and Gen Z or whatever you want to call them, we certainly had a really advanced capacity for technology. What we're missing is the long-term interesting parts of how a business operates. And it's very easy for product managers to say, I would like to simplify your business. Technology and user experience design is primarily focused on making this simpler, I will make it simpler, and I will smash that through. But every time I've done that in my career, what I've learned is that it was an exceptionally dumb move. We need to think about uh, all of the business individuals that know all of the nuance of their business, that know how their user responds, that know how their supply chain operates, that know how uh, all of the multivariate factors implicate um, nuance into the, the purchasing flow um, in order to really effectively serve the market. You know, Cyrus, I think, I think I'll credit uh, my boss and one of my mentors, Paul Crow, who said to me one day that um, digital transformation isn't a project. Uh, digital transformation is an outcome. And it's an outcome of 25 to 100 different digital projects done successfully. And I think the only way you get those projects done successfully is by having enough emotional intelligence to acknowledge that though your technology skills are superior, you are almost definitely the dumbest person in the room as relates to the business. It's hmm. very interesting when we talk about it that way and that perspective, which is, uh, you know, just 
accept the fact that you know you're you're the dumbest person in the room i think it's very humbling to think about it that way and certainly it would uh change your perspective as well i can totally relate with that uh now emotional intelligence or some call it eq uh whenever it comes to my head i think of i i, I don't know it's kind of subconscious i think of iq and eq kind of like put them next to each other like is there like a benchmark uh like like iq that exists for iq that's also out there for eq not that i'm super aware of and to be totally transparent with you cyrus i've never really looked into it what what i legitimately care about is that the product managers who are on my team care about the feelings, motivations, and uh, biases that might exist within the clients or the people that are buying from us. Uh, every organization I intersect interfaces with is a complex tapestry of unique individuals who are trying to get things done. You know, we often say like, oh, we're an agile professional services shop, but to be totally transparent, agile is really only a function of how agile can the enterprise be. Oftentimes we are sort of running this idea of dual track agile, which is uh, just functionally waterfall run really, really fast. Um, and so in, in that particular regard, and to your question about how I benchmark EQ, what I, what I legitimately care about is, I think what you would describe as politicking. Um, it is this idea of what are the motivations, rationale, and reasoning of the people associated with the product, and what do they want, and how do I draw all of those individuals into a similar state of alignment? So understanding that everybody in this group has a goal, and um, what is going to work is if their goal is the same, but their motivations are different. So do you have, does everybody in this room say, yes, what we are trying to do is establish a digital channel that will allow, allow us to sell product at the same rate uh, we sell it within our retail stores, just for example. If that is true, then all of the motivations of all the individual stakeholders around the table are manageable because they are all actioning towards the same thing. If, however, they are not goal aligned, uh, we have a much larger problem. And that's where EQ matters because emotional intelligence in this particular regard, what you're really doing is, is actually sort of playing in the lower third of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Understanding what makes people feel safe, understanding what, um, what they need in order to be successful within their job and understanding how to support that particular uh, need or outcome that they are driving towards to get them where you want, want them to be. Now, you as a product manager are not agnostic to the outcome. It's not that by serving all of the emotional uh, sub needs of all the stakeholders, you know, you can just be the um, aggregator of a bunch of shitty opinions and then you get a crap product out and that's what it does. You need to move those people into the right zone Right, and the right zone is almost always aligned to what the business goal is. So we are trying to, I think as relates to emotional intelligence, what we are trying to do is understand what each individual within a group wants and then pulling them into a framework that says, I can get you basically what you want, um, but I need you to acknowledge all the other people in the room and how they're operating and, and what they care about. No, I love that. 
that's that's pretty clear, uh, Chris. Thanks for that. So, say we want to be better at this. We want to uh, be better at emotional intelligence, as, you know, as product managers. So, what are some challenges, uh, you know, to become more emotionally intelligent? And that could be either internal or external. Sorry, it's it's a really good question, um, and I'm going to provide an answer that is unique to me, but I think is applicable universally. I have found in the last five years that most product managers who are uh, trying to establish their credibility are reading a lot of books about product management. They're crushing lean analytics, they're crushing all the lean series, they're crushing, you know, Rich Miranov's The Art of Product Management, they're covering all these different books. Um, and, and what they're not crushing and what I think is actually like a sleeper indicator of somebody's ability to be a great product manager with a high emotional intelligence is how much literature they read. Um, I think literature, and I mean, totally transparently, I'm an English major. I, I, I read all the time. But I think what literature gives us is this idea that it's an in-depth look into the world that exists way beyond us. There is this concept, it's not a real world, it's called Sonder. Sonder is this idea that um, everybody outside of us is living a rich, incredible tapestry of experiences that guides them towards their, uh, you know, their true purpose. And, and when you really think about Sonder, it is an overwhelming concept because Cyrus, you've lived a life that is complex and emotionally rich. My wife, Veronica, down the hall has lived a life that is complex and emotionally rich. But everybody has lived a life that is complex and emotionally rich. And, and I think what literature does is it, it alerts you and helps you understand that people have really incredibly different motivations as to how they operate and how they think. And that is what makes them, um, makes them tick. And understanding that complexity and understanding that every human you interact with is their own unique, incredible piece of the world um, is the best indicator of your ability to understand emotional intelligence as I see it. No, I love that. That's, that's, uh, that's awesome, Chris. So that uh, actually perfectly aligns with the next question. So, you know, we know all the, most of the PMs out there, they, uh, they want to know the latest, greatest, uh, you know, framework uh, for some sort of prioritization or something else. But what are some resources that actually, as a PM, we can go ahead and, you know, listen to or the books that you recommend to, you know, boost our emotional intelligence? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I read Mind the Product every week. I read um, Product Hunt. I read all of, like, the... Um, without being insulting, all the basic shit that exists on the internet as relates to what's good about product. I think any product manager that really wants to expand their emotional intelligence should read John Steinbeck. Uh, I think Steinbeck is this really interesting, true American, you know, let's be capitalist, let's be economically motivated, but fundamentally a socialist fundamentally a, a person who who thinks about the way different humans operate and so you know to answer your question in a very esoteric and um, emotive way cyrus i would say that 
I would advise people to read things like The Winter of Our Discontent. I would advise people to read East of Eden. I mean, these are great books. They're not hard reads. You, you can love these books. Um, but these books also provide really compelling and detailed uh, portraits of humans. And I think the more we understand that uh, humans are humans and they are complex and they are multivariate and they are really interesting, I think the better off we are as product managers. No, I love that. Thanks for sharing. Uh, so now, I mean, a lot of people might think when, when emotional intelligence comes to mind and EQ, you know, they might relate it to empathy. That's, that's the first thing that actually might come to your mind. But uh, would you say that actually, and kind of like touched upon it as well in the past, but would, would you say it, it does affect, let's say, other your leadership and influencing skills as well? Yeah, I, I would say that there's an interesting piece to this, which is that like, uh, as you elevate in your product management career, you are increasingly, I mean, product management is a form of leadership, right? Like uh, on my worst days, I would say all product managers are narcissists. And on my best days, I would say <laughs> all product managers are fundamentally leaders. Um, they just don't know how to express that idea yet. And what's interesting about your question, Cyrus, is this idea that um, leadership isn't one variety. There isn't one flavor of leadership. Lead great leaders, in my opinion, are coaches on one day and authoritarians on the next. They are, you know, democratically elected individuals on Wednesday and, and brutal dictators on Friday. And it's all dependent on the situation they find themselves in and, and what matters. And knowing what matters truly is a function of understanding what is the emotional state of the people that work for you and the clients that are around you. So when I think about this problem, I think about uh, not that I am you know, gonna William Wallace Braveheart this situation. I'm thinking about what is gonna, what is gonna happen this week and how do I resolve that? Um, are there product managers on my team that I need to talk about? Um, emotional resilience with? And are there product managers I need to talk with them about aggression? Um, because aggression in the service of doing the right thing is very much in the intersect mode. It's the way intersect thinks about problems. Like we are not truly willing to let clients go down roads that we don't agree with. It's the distance between what I would call aggression and absorption or or willingness to listen there are situations in which your emotional intelligence will tell you and maybe this is the point cyrus maybe this is the point that relates to your question which is this that emotional intelligence is often characterized as this idea that i am just empathetic and i just listen and i understand you and you know in so doing you feel really good about our relationship but that's not what emotional intelligence is Emotional intelligence is me knowing when to deploy aggression, uh, when to deploy um, sympathy, when to deploy empathy, when to deploy alignment. When, when are these different pieces valuable? Because I have an opinion. I consider my opinion to be professionally informed. The question that really needs to be considered is, am I 
emotionally aware enough that I know when aggression is valuable versus when empathy is valuable. And I think that is the big thing that matters as relates to EQ in product management, simply because aggression improperly deployed basically blows relationships up and empathy improperly deployed allows uh, a client who maybe is over-influenced by their business or uh, by their executive stakeholder to make poor decisions. Um, and what product management is, in my opinion, is that it is a abstract of uh, technology decision-making that in an ideal state leads to a perfect outcome. Uh, it does not improperly executed product management gets you to impact imperfect outcomes. And I think we need to be cognizant of that as technology leaders, because when we fail to represent the broad spectrum of interest and we fail to represent primarily and most importantly, the consumer interests, we are letting um, executive leaders get away with um, the executive equivalent of masturbation. They are just they are just pleasing themselves. They are not pleasing their customers. And, and we need to be thoughtful. We are defenders of that. And that, that is a really interesting interpretation of what EQ means. No, that's, that's very interesting, Chris, when you put it that way and how it relates to you know, different leadership styles depending on the situation. And it definitely opened my eyes as well. I, uh, I think it's a very interesting perspective uh, to look at it that way. And it's obvious that uh, you know, from your perspective, it's something that you're practicing and that's what, uh, you know, makes you a successful product leader, right? So it makes sense. Uh, so what's next for you and your team at Intersect, Chris? Uh, it's a good question, Cyrus. It, you know, we are coming out of the pan pandemic downsizing. We have lost really truthfully only about 12% of our staff because we were uh, well-managed and well-staffed and, and well-understood as to where we are. Um, but what's next for Intersect and what's next for me as, as a product leader is, is simply this. Um, I would like to continue to support enterprise digital transformation evolutions as much as I can. Um, and Cyrus, if I draw back to the beginning of this podcast, um, I came from advertising and what, what made me crazy about advertising is I always felt like I was trying to convince people to buy something. Product is this distinction from marketing in which marketing is about convincing people to buy products that maybe they don't need or they don't want or they're going to buy the product anyways and I just want to convince them to spend 19 cents more uh, per unit on the product. And product, for me, the product that sits above the product. Uh, the product that is about purchasing and making that easier is really about a simplification. So, you know, if I love Old Spice deodorant and I, I don't give a shit about Right Guard, um, what I hope product does is that it, it creates an opportunity for me, Chris Hurst, to buy Old Spice directly from Procter & Gamble um, and have it delivered to my house. Because, you know, Amazon has the advantage there because... I can't remember specifically what the law is called, but there's a law that basically says any technological um, extension of a company fundamentally follows the uh, the shape of the company that exists, right? So if you're Procter & Gamble, 
you don't assume you can become a retailer because the way you operate, the way your business is shaped is that you sell your product to retailers like Amazon, like Loblaws, like Shoppers Drug Barn, um, and they deploy your product for you. But they, I think that is a, a misstep for many of these organizations in that truly what I would like to see the world go forward is, is you know, retailers as much as I love them and I would never turn down any bit of Loblaw business um, is, is simply that manufacturers like Church and Dwight, like Unilever, like Procter and Gamble within the personal care category, they they don't need to be subject to retail to retailers' technological infrastructure. Um, and I think we need to be cognizant of that as emotionally intelligent intelligent product managers that we can push the world forward. We can say, you know, Procter, you are subject to Walmart, you know, and Walmart defines so much of how you guys think. But like, look at the world, we're in pandemic. You know, I'm buying Amazon, I'm buying Old Spice, the tall deodorant pack at $3.19 a piece through Amazon, which I'm I'm sure includes some margin. But if you told me I could buy them directly from Procter & Gamble and I could have it delivered every month, two bars of deodorant, I would do it. I would do it. And even if it was only seven cents less, I would just do it because the world is not better served by one mega retailer. It hasn't been better served by Walmart. It will not be better served by Amazon. We We can create the systems that make the most sense for us. And that is emotional intelligence, if you truly care about the end user and you truly care about the businesses you are supporting, um, you are looking to take those big risks. You're looking to say, we need to, we need to blast these doors open and, and figure out how we do this into the future. And that's what I care about. No, I love that. That's a very interesting perspective that you bring on, Chris. And uh, definitely the emotional intelligence is the driving factor behind actually seeing the products and uh, you know uh, what was out there from from that lens and having that uh, kind of perspective into it well uh, thanks for being with the pm hub today really appreciate your time chris uh thanks Cyrus. i really appreciate having the opportunity to chat with you it's been uh it's been really good i appreciate this whole process there you have it guys i hope you enjoyed today's talk with chris on emotional intelligence and how it would affect you to become a better product manager Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at PMOPTO. And until next time, stay safe and healthy.